You are tuning in to the Game Sports Show, powered by the Game Entertainment and Media, or known as GEM. This is the Little Caesars Pizza Special Edition Upload. Little Caesars Pizza in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, where there are three locations within the community and many more locations nationwide. Little Caesars Pizza is the largest carryout pizza chain internationally. Convenient, delicious, and cost-effective is a brief yet simple way to describe Little Caesars Pizza. You can order online through their user-friendly online pizza portal. Why wait any longer? Get on those phones, download the app, or get on your computer and make that order right now. The Game Sports Show and Gem. Thanks, Little Caesars Pizza, in particular Little Caesars Pizza in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, for its support. The Game Sports Show is heard on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Podbean, and Podtail podcast platform, as well as thegamesportshow.com. You can make thegamesportshow.com a part of your homepage on your mobile device by simply clicking the link and pasting it to your homepage. Also, you can follow The Game Sports Show on Facebook and Instagram, which is tagged at The Game Sports Show. Now that you're settled in, let's get into another edition of TGSS. Booyah, and it's time for The Game Sports Show. It is your host, David McCaig Jr., bringing you another special edition upload powered by The Game Entertainment Media and sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. Getting to the co-host joining me this evening, along with yours truly, he's the founding father with yours truly of the Game Sports Show. He is the voice of our show with the ESPN 1400 segment on live radio on Mondays, also with being involved in other shows on our game entertainment and media platform. He has been in broadcasting for quite a good length of time, if you will, and a fun fact, he is one of my mentors and, of course, my vice president with the Game Entertainment and Media, the one and only Scott Neeson. Scotty, how's it going, my friend? I'm doing well, Dave. I appreciate the intro. I feel like I aged five years just hearing that, founding <laughs> fathers and mentors. Happy, happy to be on your show and certainly looking forward to talking to our special guest tonight. Yeah, it's definitely exciting. We always have a great time with every guest that we have on. But this one I'm very excited for. And getting to our Little Caesars Pizza Special Edition guest, he is a former second-round pick, 29th overall by the New York Islanders, a Boston University alumni. He has played in 337 NHL games between the Edmonton Oilers, Pittsburgh Penguins, New York Rangers, Boston Bruins, New Jersey Devils, and Carolina Hurricanes, along with playing an additional 374 professional games between the AHL, Swiss A-League, and KHL, totaling over 700 professional games, 711 to be exact. He is an NCAA champion, Hockey East, also representative of the United States hockey team in the 1997 World Junior Championships and 2002 World Championship. The one and only Dan Lacatour. Dan, how's it going, my friend, and welcome to the show. Hey, David. Hey, Scott. Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, we're very excited to have you on. I know... um, you know, it's been kind of long overdue, you know, a couple of weeks of us planning it out. So we're very happy that you're able to uh, get the time to come join us here on the Game Sports Show. And, you know, it's going to be a fun edition as we always have. And you know what? We always have the post openers right off the hop. So what I want to do is give you the floor here in regards to what you're doing now post-career. Like, I know you were involved in some work with the NHLPA. You're obviously an NHL alumni. Educate listeners on what some projects you've taken on since retiring from the game. <clears throat> well, to be honest with you, when I... Uh... I, I never actually really officially ever retired because I was like 34 and I, um, I just never, I just never felt like, I mean, I'm 43 now and I feel like I can still, uh, play the game. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, after hockey, I, you know, I was over in Norway and I broke my neck and that was like January, uh, 2011. And, uh, I had two kids. I had a, you know, I had a four and a half and, or five year old and a newborn and, uh, I don't know. Just being over the overseas, you know, with you know, wife, two kids, like being in Norway. I just like, you know what? Like, I if I'm not gonna get a shot back, you know, if a team back home is not gonna give me a shot, 
you know, I'm going to just stop my, my next venture in life, I guess. And, um, yeah. so, you know, I came home and I stopped playing hockey basically for my kids, um, yeah. you know, just so they can get on the school bus and not be dragged around the world. And, um, but if I didn't have two kids, I'd still be playing right now. So, you know, I just had a lot of concussions and, you know, breaking my neck. And I was just like, you know what, like I, I, I should just stop moving on. And like, I, I, I struggled. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I was depressed, you know, I was on Ambien. I was taking Ambien every night, like drinking, you know, two, three balls of wine every night, like legitimately, like out of 365 days a year, like I probably count on one hand, the amount of days I, I, I wasn't drinking. And, uh, wow. um, I mean, I remember going for, I was so pissed off that I wasn't playing that I went for a run one night and, uh, at midnight I had three balls of red wine in me and I had uh, at least two, two and a half ambience in me uh, pills and I couldn't sleep. I was fired up and I went and ran six miles around the lake uh, where I live here. Wow. And yeah. And like, I'm surprised I didn't have a heart attack and die. Um, but you know, it was, it was, everything was a real struggle. And then what actually kind of like really saved me, which, you know, to answer your point uh, that I'll lead into is that kind of turned things around for me was, um, uh, I played, uh, I was asked to play in a Bruins alumni game hmm. and I was doing everything I could to not have anything to do with hockey. That's why before we started the show, my daughter, she, you know, she skates, but that's why I didn't get her into hockey. And I feel kind of guilty about that. Cause I think she would have, I mean, hockey in this area for girls is like a lot of opportunity, you know, yep. especially for colleges and free education and stuff like that. And, uh, I just had I wanted nothing to do with hockey, but I got invited to do this Bruins alumni game. And, like, you know, Terry O'Reilly, who was my assistant coach with the Rangers, and, um, you know, so I already knew Taz. And, but, you know, like Rick Middleton, like, yeah, he was doing the TV when I was, you know, the color commentating for, uh, you know, for Nesson when I was with the Bruins. And, um, you know, I got to be in the locker room with all these guys. And, like, uh, Kenny Linsman, I never knew Kenny Linsman. Never played against him because obviously he, re- he was retired by the time I turned pro in 97. And, uh, you know, I, I just never knew guys like that. And, like, I got to um, meet all these great guys. And uh, and they, it, it actually kind of saved me. And I and I, I had emailed uh, and texted uh, Nifty, Rick Milton, um, you know, probably four or five years ago and, and told him something he probably didn't even know. And I just said, listen, like, I was in a real dark place in my life and, like, you know, uh, you invited me to play in a game actually like kind of saved me and it kind of got me back into the game again. And it kind of got me going in my life and it started putting me on a right direction. And so I started like, I was doing all these games, all these trips, all the trips to Canada with alumni, like, you know, New Brunswick, uh, you know, Nova Scotia or Newfoundland and Labrador and like, um, you know, we went to the Inuit nation when we were up in, uh, you know, the Labrador and it was like places like most people don't get to go and, you know, flying on an army plane to get to the Inuit nation with just only max 20 people, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so like when I got involved with that, that like completely changed things around, you know, I started, uh, I started a house washing business, kind of like a pressure washing business, but it's, uh. It's, it's like low pressure, so it's all in the solution, uh, not the pressure. So basically what I have is like a tree sprayer, and I just mix 100 gallons of water with like 20 gallons of bleach, and I wash houses and roofs. And I started that 
um, a few months after I got home in 2011 from uh, from Norway. And uh, a year later, I, you know, that wasn't enough to get me by. So a year later, I partnered up with a friend of mine and we bought uh, two Midas auto repair stores because um, basically I had to buy myself a job before my money ran out. Yeah. Um, so I bought myself a job in that regard. And, uh, and yeah, now 10, 10 years later, I got, you know, I got a, you know, my house washing business has grown to the point where it's almost year round, except for the month of February. So, um, obviously depending on the weather here, but, uh, and I still got the two Midas stores with my partner, which will be almost about nine years now. And, um, yeah, I got two kids, you know, I'm my son's hockey coach and, uh, you know, he's, he got into hockey on his own. He want, you know, I brought him down to see if he liked it and he fell in love with it. So it's- See, Scotty, you know, I know you work kind of in the uh, like kind of more of the, you know, the healthcare field is the right way to put it. I know how you, this that'd be kind of different stuff that you would you know notice on a daily basis where you're at work. But you know, having kids, you know, a lot of the stories that we hear on the show is a lot of time, uh, you know, kids help you know with that kind of recovery or that kind of stage where you take that leap forward. But you have you had such a good powerful story there where you're able to find that love in the game within playing that game again and that in that circumstance right and you know scott going over to you i hear definitely you know getting to know that whole entire background it makes me you know feel like i've known you more and like appreciate what you've had to go through and what you've had to battle there's more everyone looks at a, at a former nhl player or even a professional player and they don't know things after the game what happens or even when you're in the game there's just so much that occurs and which which the big issue is now is what's being addressed more now is that kind of mental health side or the battles and the struggles outside of playing and you know you did have to endure a lot there dan for sure and scott i know in your your line of expertise you know there, there's a there's always another side of the game you know that a lot of listeners and a lot of uh, act like active individuals don't know about yeah, and I think Dan addressed that really well, talking about trying to balance a career uh, in hockey and family. And Dan, uh, the question I wanted to ask you is, obviously, uh, it, it was a challenge for you, as you just stated. Is, is that something that a lot of players that you played with uh, have had challenges with? Because you don't hear that question asked much of professional athletes. Yeah, well... Again, I don't. I didn't mean to talk so much off the get go there. Oh, but, you're allowed. Uh, it's yours. The floor is all yours. There's no. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, because that, that, you know, that is a good question. Like what both of you guys raised there, that a lot of people don't realize is that everybody thinks it's hunky dory and like it's like, uh, you know, red carpet and limos and you know, first class. And I mean, obviously, parties, yada yada. Yeah, yada. I mean, obviously, in all sports, like the glamour and everything now is like. I mean, the amount of money that's thrown around, it's like, it's crazy. Like, the way they travel, you know, how they stay. Like, I mean, like, yeah, I played for the Rangers, which was a five-star organization, um, you know, the way we traveled. But, I mean, now it's like, everybody's like that, you know? Like, I Edmonton was, like, ahead of Pittsburgh at that time. When I was with Edmonton, like, when I got traded to Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh was behind Edmonton in, you know, uh, like, the way, like – the locker room or, or a lot of areas, except, I mean, I was on the last team in the league to still fly commercial. Um, oh, wow. oh yeah. Yeah. And that was one thing I like, got the Pittsburgh. At least we had the, uh, the charter flights from that company out of San Jose that 
you know, like there was like five or seven teams in the league using that company at the time. But, uh, um, uh, yeah. So, uh, your question. Oh, so when I was overseas, um, you know, uh, my, my ex-wife, I mean, she, you know, she's a good person, but it was, she didn't make it easy for me. And, and again, I know it wasn't easy for her, but like, and I, it, it had to be scary for her. I mean, you know, when I was, I guess when I was in Russia, I was, uh, I don't know, 30, 31. So she's three years younger than me. So she would have been like maybe 27 and like, and like, I wasn't even in Russia. I was in Kazakhstan. Oh, oh my yeah, goodness. So I was on the team in Kazakhstan. So like I was five and a half hours flight beyond Moscow. Yeah. And, and I was in Siberia. So Astana, the capital city of, of Kazakhstan, uh, is in the northern part, which is part of Siberia. So it was minus <laughs> 55, 60 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, my not God. Not Celsius, Fahrenheit for oh. four, four straight months. Wow. And, you know, I lost my contract. The team yanked my contract the following year because I delayed the start time. Like, my former best friend, Tom Pody, was getting married at the end of July. And I told the team, like, you know, I'm, I'm his best man. Like, you know, like, uh, like, you, you know, and they wanted me like they wanted, you know, cause obviously overseas, they want you there like the first, second week in July. And it's like, that's like the nicest part of the year. Yeah, on Cape time you start getting your, your, your tarps off outside, enjoy some beverages and some time outside. Yeah. Get some, get some tan. So they, they wanted me to fly to Kazakhstan for a week <laughs> for training camp, then fly all the way home. So I can attend the wedding and then come all the way back. And so I delayed it with my passport saying it was hung up with the Kazakh embassy and like, and they end up pulling like the, the contract on me. So, I, you know, I had like 400 grand tax free, like gone. And like, that was like, I lost my, I lost my season that year because, you know, I was suspended by the NHL for leaving Carolina. And um, so I, I couldn't play anywhere that was governed by the IIHF, so my only option was Russia at that time, because they, they, they're the ones that backed out, you know, around, you know, 2008. And a lot of guys are jumping over there then. Um, but, yeah, she didn't make it easy for me, you know? Um, not that, like, I mean, like, you know, she didn't work, but, like, I mean, I mean, I was, I was the one providing, you know, the food on the table and paying the bills, and, like, it, you know, like, I, I delayed it because, like, Besides my buddy's wedding, but like I, you know, she wasn't talking about coming over until like end of October. Wow. And I'm like, Jesus, like I just went four months, like end of December to almost April without seeing my daughter who, you know, and now I have to go another like three months or so until you fly over. Like, no, you want to see your yeah. family. Whole so I, I, yeah, I lost, I lost that because I, if again, if it was just me, yeah, I'll be over there in July. Sure. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. I can't make your wedding. But the like, guy delayed it, and I used that wedding as a crutch because I didn't want to be away from my daughter again for that amount of time. I was like, you know, why can't you come over like at the beginning of September? Like, see, like, you know, and so. you know, you're you're messy. You're mentioning Kazakhstan, and I'm not gonna. I'm I'm going through my head was Borat. I'm gonna be honest. Yep. At first, we said it, but yeah, you a, don't need to be. You don't need to be PC with me. So no, no, <laughs> that's the thing where like I was told, and I can't recall the guests at the top. And maybe one of our uh, listeners could comment below about which guest is to see who tunes in the most here. But there was we had a guest on the show that said if you mention the name Borat in Kazakhstan, that's like against the law. Like apparently they're not big fans of that film down there at all. No. Like, 
apparently it is not even new. Like it, it's almost like in the written law, not to say that book, all, all jokes aside, it's not, but it's your, that book movie. Sorry. And as soon as you said it there, you know, I know we went to more of an intense story side of it, but when you first mentioned Kazakhstan, that's always the first thing that comes to my head. I don't know if that's uh, just me, uh, but I don't know about yourself, Scott. I think you said yes to that, but overall for you to be, have to go there and have that distance away from your family it's hard no matter where you are if your family's based in north america canada united states whatever it may be and you're overseas playing in russia italy uh, switzerland kazakhstan wherever you are playing it's always tough and if you have that little bit of time that you're able to enjoy with your family you want to take advantage of it and you know like i, I we were talking about this off air scott has children yourself dan of course as we as we know yours truly does not and i, I don't have that kind of understanding but i can certainly get what it is and you know what your kids you want to see them you want to be there you want to be a part of their youth and you saying that even before that you know you didn't want them to you know to to travel around you want them to take the bus to school and have that kind of consistent nature right and that's where uh, as a parent you made that decision and despite what happened in Kazakhstan I'm sure you have no that's with that yeah I mean the hard part was the guilt, like the guilt I put on myself. And like every time I was gone and like, I remember Chris Simon, I mean, Chris was over there. He was playing for VTATS with, uh, Brad was on that team and Darcy Vero and, uh, Oh, Chris, you know, that team was Wawa boy. Actually right near yeah. Ontario. Yeah. 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 So the three of them were on that team and like, um, and like, you know, that, that team was like one of the few teams that was owned by like one of the, you know, the Russian mafia guys, but the rest of the teams were all owned by like the oil um, you know, companies and, uh, uh, the guy who owned our team owned the, uh, the Kazakh railroad. And, uh, you know, obviously that is the only show in town that goes from Asia to the Caspian sea, which this guy was just completely filthy rich. And, um, but yeah, we had a big, when I was there, like as much as, as hard as it was that I was away from my family, I was focused Whenever, like, even when I went down to Carolina and, and went there and tried out on a uh, on a tryout, like, I made the team and I, I I was by myself. Like, I was focused and like, you know, when I when I got married and I was 26, I thought, again, no disrespect to my uh, ex wife and my two kids, but like, I thought that like, getting married would help me would help prolong my career by like keeping me from like being out all the time, you know. Well, it actually worked. It actually worked in the opposite for me. It actually, it actually hurt, like wrote like I was in such a groove and my career was on such an upward like, you know, take and like and I I got married. I had a kid and like it, it just like threw me all out of whack. And uh, again, like I don't mean to disrespect my ex-wife or my or my or my daughter at the time. Like it's not their fault. Like it was just I thought like getting married like would prolong my career and it actually threw me out of the groove that I was in that was working <laughs> and uh and you know I mean uh, you know being over being over there like when I was in Carolina being over in Russia like when I was by myself I was like I was on my game even though it's in Norway like I was trying to revive my career like I went to Norway I was there for three months my son had just come out and I flew out I flew out five days later to go to Norway and I was there for three months by myself and I got like 27 goals in like 27 games. Like I, I was like, it, I, I was like so focused and like back on my game because I was it was just me. 
And, you know, I'd stay up late, wake up late, like go to practice, do, do my thing. And like, I was doing what worked for me. And like, I guess that's the only thing that I, again, I'm not blaming them, but like, I guess that's the only thing that like, I, I put a lot of guilt to myself, like when I was gone from my daughter, you know, and, yeah. um, or my kids and, you, uh, you wanted to be with them. And Simon was over there like for eight months without his family, like for like three straight years, like he was over there to make the money. And there's a guy that went a lot too, like even after his you know, career too. And there's a, a guy that everyone, Suse Marie, knows quite well. And actually someone I met when I was younger. Oh, my God, what a towery man. And I That's... fought him twice. <laughs> <laughs> and well, the first time I fought him, he saw the long hair when he was with the Capitals. Yep. Yes. Yeah, he's Stanley Cup final Capitals time. time. Yeah, and I back-checked him. And I put my – I guess I was with Pittsburgh. I I backchecked him. That was the year that I actually played in the same line as Mario Lemieux for a month. And, wow. um, you know, I had like six goals, 11 assists, and 13 fights that year. And, you know, I was playing third line. It was me, Wayne Primo, and uh, Sean Donovan. And, or <laughs> Stefan, Stefan, actually, Stefan Riche for half the year played on our line. That was our third line. And, uh, and you know, like, I, our line was doing so good. And, like, I don't know, Rick Hill moved me up to the first line with Mario and Lexi Morozov, and uh, um, we went on a seven-game winning streak until uh, Lexi Kovalev decided to t- go for the empty net in Philly and turn the puck over at the blue line. They kept the puck in, scored, tied the game, and won in overtime, and somehow that was my fault. So they took me off the first line after a seven-game win streak. <laughs> so I wasn't, on the, I wasn't even on the ice for it. I was on the bench. See, and Scott, I know, like, um, there, there's a, like, when you mentioned Mario Lemieux, one of my, you know, I was, I'm a 91 birth date, so, like, obviously, I was. He's the be- best younger. all time. Yeah. And you I'll, know what? I'll stand behind that every time. If he was healthy, and yeah. if he, if he started in the same year Gretzky did, because there was a big difference in the goalies from, like, yeah. you know, whatever it was, 78 or 79 to 83 when Lemieux came in. And, uh, and I'll, I'll stand behind that, and people might think I'm crazy, but Mario Lemieux. If he came in at the same time as Gretzky and he didn't have his back problems and Hodgkin's disease and didn't retire there for like four years, he would have shattered all of Gretzky's records easily. That's what everyone says. That's what says. Scott, and I know you agree with that too. We've I actually- tell everybody that. And he's the most humble guy. And I'll, we can go into that when I first saw him when I got traded there because he was one of two posters on my – as a kid. It was Lemieux and Neely. So, <laughs> see those yeah. that you saw going up. I know we will uh, get into a lot of that. I'm definitely curious about a lot of things in Pittsburgh, especially since uh, you also played with Rico Fata there, who has a Sioux connection there as well. But oh, well, Rico. Well, no, Rico was in that trade. That 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 was like the worst thing that ever happened to me getting traded to the Rangers. <laughs> I was like out of sight, out of mind, but like in the, like in my groove in Pittsburgh. And then Glenn Sather, who traded for me from the Islanders to Edmonton, had to have me in new york and if anybody had asked me i would have said no thank you i politely declined I, i'm happy here in pittsburgh because my career was my career was thriving there and then i go to the rangers which was a the most expensive team and the most embarrassing team to be on because you had 18 all-stars from every team on one team and we couldn't make the playoffs see that was the connection that i was certainly going to bring up because i know there was a connection with the trade there right and that's what you were just saying with that it's it's yeah the, well pittsburgh had on low kobe they had unloaded uh, Kovalev because uh, his contract was ending. But the deals all worked out. But Sather wouldn't 
agree to the deal because he wanted me in the deal. So the deal was held up, held up for three days, which Craig, Craig Patrick told me. About. I was like, really? Over me? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, Sather really wanted you. I'm like, well, why didn't somebody call me and ask me? I would have said, Glenn, thank you, but, like, I'm happy where I am. <laughs> like, Yeah, no, you wouldn't have wanted to change. You don't fix something that doesn't need any fixing, right? Or you, at the end of the day, you want, if it's a fit, you stay in the best situation for yourself. All that did was just throw me into a bad situation because, like, it was a team that was going nowhere because you had 18 individuals. Because he gathered every all-star from every team and brought them all into New York. So you had Yager, you had Messier, you had Peter Nedved, you had Eric Lindros. You know, obviously Brian Leach was there. But you had Bobby Holik, uh, Anson Carter. Uh, I think I said Yager. Uh, I mean, it's just like... You had every he took every guy, top guy from every team, and brought them into one place. And then you got me, Dale Puritan, and Jamie Lundmark, and you know, <laughs> UC Markinen. <laughs> like everybody else is making ten million dollars a year, and then you know, and then there's these four guys down here, <laughs> you know, making like less than five hundred. <laughs> and I know Scott, you uh, obviously before we even go into more of the NHL, I know you had some points that you were going to bring about the NCAA route first. Yeah, uh, Dan, you know, being here in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, we have a Division One college hockey team, Lake Superior State University, who has some I history. Yes, you do yep. with the team that you played for, Boston <laughs> University, uh, you know, under uh, Coach Jack Parker. I mean, you had some big on that, Chris Drury, uh, Sean Bates, you mentioned pot, uh, Potty. Uh, just tell us about the experience playing college hockey. Certainly one of the best programs in the country. Uh, you played, I believe, one year there before you went in the NHL. How was your experience at BU? Um, it was great. Like, Parker, our understanding uh, before I went there was that I was going to go there for two years. Right. And he was sour that uh, that Milbury and my agent, JP, which, um, I mean, Bobby Orr, I was, I was actually Bobby Orr's first client with wolf associates oh wow and not too many people know that oh there is uh, breaking news here i'll take that uh, <laughs> yeah i was i was his very first client ever <laughs> and um for hockey and uh but jp was the agent that did all the negotiating and uh so um oh uh, sorry like i sue st marie um jeff jackson uh, I just, I was just going somewhere. Oh, BU. So I yep. had an agreement with like, uh, with, you know, Parker, like Parker knew I was going to be there all four years. So, um, you know, but like Billberry and JP worked out a deal for me for first round money on the Charles river, uh, over the summer. And then I know how it went down. Millberry called Parker and Parker said to him, Mike, you know, is he going to play in New York for you next year? And, Mike probably said probably not. He'll probably be down in Lexington. That's where their farm team was at the time in Kentucky. And uh, he's like, well, listen, the final four is in Boston this, you know, that next year. So, like, I need them for one more year. So the deal was pulled. And I know, I mean, I wasn't stupid. Like, I was a you know, 19-year-old kid. I know exactly what went down. So I said, <clears throat> I just had 900 and something thousand dollars taken away from me by my own coach. <clears throat> so I said, you know what? I said, I got my rights still in Seattle. One more year. So I notified the Islanders and BU that I was leaving BU and I was going to Seattle Thunderbirds 
for my last year as an overage. And yeah, New York, if you don't sign me, I'm going back into the draft and now you lose me. Yeah. So I got traded to Edmonton. Um, but again, like it's, it's hard. Like, you know, like it's like 900 and whatever the cap was at 950 or 990. I don't know what the hell it was, but like it, it was first round money. And, um, to have that taken away, like for a kid that, you know, my dad was a teacher and coach and like made like thirty five, forty thousand dollars a year. Mom's a stayed home mom, four kids, like, you know, we didn't have much money, you know. I mean, a new pair of skates to me was I was the fourth one to wear them. <laughs> but but those are new skates to me. Right. <laughs> my, my, my 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 toes weren't cramped anymore. You know? And uh so like yeah. So I, I left and I was gonna leave and sure enough, Milbury, you know. He uh, traded me to Edmonton for Tchaikovsky. But, yeah, I mean, like, I, I enjoyed my time at BU. Like, we had an unbelievable year there. And, you know, I have a, I have multiple connections with Lake Superior State because Jeff Jackson was my coach on the World uh, Junior Team. Yep. And long before that, my brother was on the 93 team with Maine that won the, uh, the NCAA uh, back in 93. I remember that well. Yeah, they beat Lake State up at the, uh, the the Bradley Center. In Bradley Center, yep, I was there. <laughs> and that's where my Final Four was. Yeah, nice. We lost North Dakota by a goal. We were, yep. you know, and they, we blew the, you know, we blew the game, and because uh, we upset Michigan in the semis that year with uh, Botterill and uh, Madden and uh, Turco and that, like they they had a boat. And, yeah, they. Uh, I mean, they they were good, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, so, uh, yeah, like, it was it was hard for me to leave because, like, the Final Four was going to be in Boston my sophomore year at BU. And, like, you know, and then I, I, I get traded to Edmonton. Edmonton signs me. And I go to Edmonton as a 20-year-old kid. And I'm like, what the hell did I just do? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm in the locker room with Boris Marinoff. And his kids are running around. I'm like, this guy's as old. This guy's, as, you know, old enough to be my coach, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I play with I play with Bobo in Edmonton and New York, and uh, I mean, I got to you know I got to play with a lot of good guys, and uh, you know I mean I I didn't win a Stanley Cup, but like you know my my Stanley Cup was playing on the same line as Mario, absolutely, and it wasn't it, it wasn't like I wasn't the Barney McSorley with the Gretzky line, like I was there because like I worked hard and like I. You know, I opened up room for Mario. Not that, I mean, he's bigger than me, <laughs> you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, BU was a great experience, you know. I mean, it's just like I, I talk to my kids now. Um, and go back to your point, Scott. And, again, I don't mean to be a motor mouth here and talk too much. But, oh, you're um, <laughs> the I had a conversation with my kids the other day because, like, they, you know, just coming off school vacation, they had to go back to school, and they were all, like, bummed out and, like, pissed off and, and I said, listen, I said, I'm going to tell you guys this right now. It's my own experience. The, the, the harder you work now in school, the more, the easier the rest of your life will be. Absolutely. And I'm not just, I'm not just saying that. I'm just, I'm telling you for a fact, the better you do in school now, the, the easier the rest of your life will be because I didn't do the work. I hated school. I wanted to, I wanted to have recess for, you know, six periods. Day. The whole day. <laughs> yeah. Jim, yeah. leaders class and recess. That's mm-hmm. exactly what I only want as a schedule. <laughs> and I could not wait for that bell to ring at 3 o'clock so I'd get home and go work <laughs> on, my, on my, my, my tree fort or to play street hockey with my buddies. Street you know? hockey. There's nothing better than the sound of saying car. 
Everyone yeah. that is in our era knows what that means when I say car. Okay, yeah, you're outside. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're literally outside and your car comes around in your part in your in your subdivision or your street, wherever you're playing your street hockey. You got your buddy who has his Hespler. That's I should probably should mention a brand on here, but I just did. Uh, you got the Hespler brand on there and their helmet. Everyone's got no protection on the chest, firing that orange ball or that fake puck at somebody. You got sticks in the middle, throwing the sticks down each side. Everyone's playing on the street, or if it's just you playing outside, you're firing pucks hitting your old man's garage i know when i played that's all i did was hit my dad's garage i don't know how many times you had to repair that door but you know yeah what? i i, I love better. pulling in and seeing dents in my door like, <laughs> you know it's a sign that the hot, when i drive by with my business now my house washing business when i like i'm like a mailman now because like i do 400 customers a season and like so like i know all these streets down here in cape cod and like you know i'm driving around like i can tell when there's a hockey kid that lives in the house because I, I i see the garage door and it's all dented in <laughs> you know i'm like nope there's a, there's a hockey player there <laughs> you know yeah you know no, like I, that's nothing <laughs> just pure door just getting nothing and they're using that sheet on the on the ground or maybe they're not using that sheet i know when i got older you had to have that sheet in your driveway that is it plexiglass is that what i'm trying to think of i'm not even sure what that fabric is to make it feel like it's ice and when i had that i missed it out even more <laughs> yeah well firing it <laughs> Yeah, my dad would bring home plexiglass from the rink uh, when they'd, like, you know, break the plexiglass, whatever, just so, like, we could use it to, like, to fire pucks at the net. Like, you know, um, you know, instead of off the pavement, like, we'd use it off the plexiglass to kind of give it the, you know, the ice feel, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, my son has the same plexiglass I had as a kid, you know, at his mother's and, uh, you know, another one here at my house. But, um. Yeah, I, I, you know, even as a kid, like, even if we didn't like a neighbor, like, you know, we'd try to miss the net, like, really wide just to break a window or something, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, that guy's a jerk to us, and, like, so let's just break his window with the with the puck on the ball today. Oops, didn't so, mean to do that. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> you know, honestly, too, you know, we, we touched on the NCAA side of things, and, like, obviously, what I was in transition to here now was – uh, your you obviously had world junior experience and all this year uh you know canada you know lost to the united states uh, in the gold medal game and re- deservingly so okay usa looked fantastic in that game and that seagrass kid looks absolutely like a stud uh yeah. but besides that you know what we like asking on the show draft stories now i know like we've had some some people tell us some beauty stories from Terry Ryan, Darren McCarty, Mike Zigamanis, even Steve Passmore, who I know you played with. In Passy. <laughs> Actually, when I, when I, when I logged back in the Facebook after five years, uh, Passy and I uh, connected on, on Facebook a couple months ago. <laughs> and we actually just recently had him on too, right? And that's where the stories that these these guys had about the draft. Okay, there's things that go on at the NHL entry draft that that fans don't know of. Now, I don't know. Obviously, you were more of a top prospect going in the round that you did. So obviously, you were you know with a part of the draft. And you, was there? There must have been a. Is there? Or I guess I should say rephrase. Is there a team? that really sticks out that you when you went into their office to talk or meet with that scout or meet with that GM or the coach in that team, what maybe they did that st- stands out in your memory? Or do you have a funny draft story like that? Um, well, my draft year was in St. Louis. So my whole, you know, I mean, I was, you know, I was going first round or early second round. And, you know, so my whole family, you know, my brothers, my parents, everybody, like, you know, again, we didn't have much money, but we all, you know, 
they flew us down there and uh you know I, I met with pretty much most all the teams really and um you know Jean Rattel was always at my games um you know Bob Crocker he was always at my games and I just really thought like the range the Rangers flew me down uh you know for pre you know draft training uh testing and uh I just thought like the Rangers or like Buffalo or somebody like that was going to like draft me. And, um, you know, it, it didn't happen. You know, I mean, I got, it was JP Dumont, me, and then Chara. Chara was the third pick by the Islanders. I was the second and JP Dumont was first. That's right. That and is JP, right. JP and I played against each other. Cause I, I got three silver medals with the U S under 17 U S under 18 and the world juniors. I didn't add uh, that to your uh, the the under seventeen under eighteen to your intro. That's where I blew it right there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I got I, in my in my front office. I have you know my my world junior championship uh, shirt signed by all the guys on the team, and uh, and I got my three silver medals uh, at the bottom of it inside the uh, the glass casing, and um, wow. you know all three all three of the Canada, and you know that that first year up at the SO Cup. You know, up in Rwanda, um, you know, we lost a double overtime and like, you know, it was it was completely like, again, like the, the, the year down in Mexico, like you can't have been a team than us. But like, um, but that first year, like we we should have won. And like they they called a penalty against us, against us with like a minute and a half to go in the game and Canada tied it up and we lost a double overtime. And then um, the World Junior year. Farkas turned over the puck a couple times inside our zone and tied up the game, and we lost in overtime. You know, the World Juniors over in Geneva, and um, but it was just it was U.S. Canada, I and mean, Russia was obviously right there because they had, you know, they had Sammy Sergei Samsonov, and like, um, but it was just you know it was quite an experience, and like, you know, like I get like going back to like what I was just saying, like with my kids, like, you know, I told them I was like, listen, I was like, I, I daddy didn't do the work. I was like, I was, I was the top 1977 birth year that year, besides like Eric Rasmussen and um, Brian Burrard, but they, they were a year ahead of me in school. So for the year I was going to college or for world junior, uh, I mean, uh, major junior, I was that top uh, birth year yep. for that class. And I said, I couldn't, I said, every school in the country wanted me, but I couldn't get in. And, you know, I was getting letters at the end of my sophomore year after I made the, uh, you know, the uh, U.S. under 17 team. I was a sophomore in high school and I had letters from every every school in the country and, you know, major junior and, you know, U.S. junior. And but, you know, I, uh, you know, BU, you know, I <clears throat> I ruled out anybody outside of Hockey East for uh, if I was going to go to college just because I wanted to stay local. Um, but I couldn't get in. So I told them, I'm like. I had to get all A's and B's my junior and senior high school to at least have a chance to get into BU. And sure enough, I did. If I didn't, um, Jim Rutherford had sat with, uh, like, uh, my coach, who was like a, like a dad to me, uh, Gary Deneen, who's from Canada. And he was, he was like a second father to me and a mentor. And, uh, you know, Gary, Gary died. I mean, he coached a lot of great players, Billy Guerin, Scotty Lachance, Chris Clark, um, I mean, the list just goes on. Hainsey, um, all these guys, and uh, you know, I mean, I, mean, I was in Montreal and Gary died. Billy Guerin called me and uh, said that um, you know Gary had died, and like 
we had back-to-back games in Montreal, and I remember asking Mike Sullivan, like, if I could go to his funeral and miss practice. And, you know, we arrived back in Boston. And, and, like, it was, like, 3 o'clock in the morning, and and I said to, I said to Mike Sullivan, like, well, can I go? He's like, yeah, you can go to that thing. I go, that thing? I go, it's a funeral. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Former BU guy. Treated yeah. me like I was like like I had leprosy and like it was, you know, like I'm like my my former coach who was like a dad to me just died. But you know, I, I told my kids like you know like I if I didn't get in school, I was gonna go to um you know uh, play for the uh, the Detroit or the uh, the Plymouth Whalers. Yep, Plymouth no yeah. longer in the OHL, but right. Yep. Even though even though CL had my rights like. I don't know, a deal was going to be worked out that I was going to go to Plymouth. And I, I just I just didn't want to do that. But And obviously now, to your point, Scott, I think you were kind of like maybe going to lead into this, that um, I, I just noticed a huge swing from it being Major Junior as the, you know, the go-to to now yeah. being college. Yep, yep, and, college, um, yep. I mean, just I, I, and again, it's nothing against like Canada or or you know, or um, you know, Major Junior. I, I I think it's more just like society, just like you know the way the world is now. You know, like I mean, like to have an education is like the most important thing. You know, so like you can get both that you can get hockey and you know college education, and still make it to the NHL by you know going through college and maybe not so much through you know. Uh, made the journey anymore and again like it's not like i don't wish you know for anything to happen to major junior at all it just it just seems like everything is like you know um college now with the way that these guys are you know drafting players yeah i don't know maybe i'm wrong you know what and like honestly and i know um scott's going to get into like even when you played a couple things that speaking of the modern society with the internet is always the fun thing but in today's game, it's so much different than what it was in 2010, even in 2000. Everything is so much different. The speed, size isn't everything anymore. You have someone who's short, doesn't matter. He's he fits to the game. Like honestly, it's 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 completely different and changed. But it's all it's all changed for the better. And I think the college route was always sort of stressed upon, but everyone ignored it because anyone who's in Canada especially is always looking at, Oh, I want to play for my local OHL team. I want to play for my local junior team. I want to do that. And they don't look at what's always best for themselves. They just try to do what they think best for their career. Sometimes parents get involved in that a little too much too, but we won't, that's a whole other topic. Uh, it is just overall, it's, 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 College route's good to see the increase in that because I, I certainly love watching the college game, especially um, the NCAA route, of course. Even the Division two, three, there's a lot of good players. There's a lot of players like one guy you can always point out, Glenn Metropolit. There's one guy who kind of went undrafted his entire career, played different levels to grind its way up to the NHL. If you're good enough, you'll be found an outdoor rink, as I heard from the late Angelo Bambaco, who uh, recently died. He's a part of the Greyhound organization. But Scott, speaking of those modern society and the internet, I know you have something you want to bring up. Yeah, Dan, in preparing for this interview, I happened to go on YouTube and see some of your fight clips. And the question I have for you, you mentioned a couple against Chris Simon. Of course, most of our listeners here remember him from his Greyhound days at NHL. Uh, other ones I saw, Ty Domi, uh, among others. The first one fight that the most memorable for you as far as how the fight went, and the build-up to it, can you name that fight? Well, probably Ty Domi, but and Chris Simon. 
not not because you mentioned them, but because like those, like the Chris Simon, the first time, like like <laughs> it, it was. <laughs> you, you had Biznet too. And he, uh, you know, in the back down the corner in our zone, so I went down to the corner to get it, and the big chief followed me all the way there, <laughs> and. He goes, he hits me and goes, um, you know, he, he basically at that point, he was basically tracking me down and following me because he wanted to fight me. And he goes, you don't ever put your stick on me. And I said, well, who the hell are you? You know, like I always had to know who he was. So then the gloves came off and I, like I hit him so hard four times into in his face. Like I, I had to punch up a little bit, you know? I hit him as hard as I've hit anybody in my career. And it was like, boom, 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 boom. And then all of a sudden, he came back. He was like, boom. <laughs> like, like, But, you know, I mean, I didn't go down. Like, you know, we fought. You know, we exchanged a bunch of punches. And, like, you know, but I, like, I'll, you know, I always remember, like, how hard I hit somebody and it didn't even phase him. <laughs> You know, and, you know, we ended up fighting, you know, we played together in New York, you know, a few years later and we were teammates and we were like good friends. And that's the way I'm sure a lot of guys you talk to, like, you know, you guys fought a lot. Maybe there was like a, there was a hatred, like Barnaby, like Matthew Barnaby was another guy on the team in the Rangers. <laughs> like he was with Rangers and I was in Pittsburgh and he was like. I don't know. He was always like trying to like get in my head and like, you know, he was always like talking to the bench, like Keo, like, you know, Chico, he called, you know, that was his nickname. Chico, like put, put Lacature out there. And like, I, you know, um, <laughs> like he was, he was just always running his mouth. But, but when Simon and I, you know, when we were over in Russia, it was like the last game of the season and, you know, their team was out and our team was going to make the playoffs. And uh, he, you know, it was, it was a complete, like, Donnybrook at the end of the game. Simon, like, had to, you know, create, you know, havoc on the last, on his last game. So, like, he completely, like, sucker punched one of the guys on our team. And, like, I was on the ice, so obviously I had to do something. Barad was on the ice. And Darcy Verreau was on the ice. And, like, and so it's time I ended up fighting again over there. And then we're out in the hallway. We're in Kazakhstan, and we all got ejected from the game. And we're like all shooting the shit out in the, out in the hallway outside the locker rooms after, because you know there's still half a game left, and we all got kicked out. And we're all out there just like hanging out, like like we're buddies, and we all just like we're all just fighting each other on the ice. And um, but the other the other one was uh, the first time I fought Ty Domi. Oh um, yeah, I got. I have it in my garage. It's it's off a bus. Because um, the Penguins did like a bunch of, like they did five players. Like there was like Lemieux, Kovalev, Primo, me, and one other guy, maybe uh, Johan uh, Hedberg. Remember the Moose? Moose? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Moose. Yeah, the Moose. Yeah, so they had like five of us like with billboards and around the city and on buses. And mine was called Road Rage, but of course some PC – liberal person who was offended by that um they they had to take it down after a month because it was offensive to them <laughs> so yeah it was offensive and uh but mine was of me fighting domi 
Oh. And yeah, so favorite one on YouTube. I'm not gonna lie, Dan. I grew up. I'm a I'm a Leaf fan. Sadly, I guess I'm a sucker for pain. I say that every show that we talk well, about. I'm, I was I was heading towards the Leaf there in a second. <laughs> not to not to cut you off. No, no, no. That's where you know what you fighting tie. That's you know that just brings back memories of like my childhood and like you. You can continue. Sorry, I cut you off there. No, no, no. You, you didn't. Like that's like I, I was leading towards like before I even made it up to the NHL full time to why I almost didn't want to play in the NHL. <laughs> so, so I fought, and so obviously going into the next year, they have all these billboards around the city and like. Um, mine was called Road Rage. So on the way out from the airport to downtown Pittsburgh, Ty Domi would have seen on the billboard Road Rage of me punching him. And I'm like, this is just fantastic. I can't wait to play tomorrow night for this guy to leave the airport, head downtown to the hotel and see him getting punched in the head by me. And <laughs> you don't think he's going to want to fight me? <laughs> so like, like I love playing hockey, but like it was so nerve wracking knowing that, that you know I ended up fighting that guy like four times in my career. And wow. um but the first time I fought him, I'll never forget because we were at the face off and here's a guy I was playing in Hamilton, Ontario. He was in Toronto and I almost didn't want to make it up to the NHL because I because of this guy. <laughs> like <laughs> because this guy like, you know, he just like I was just like, he's crazy. So yeah. Um, and I, you know, again, like playing in, you know, living in Hamilton, Edmonton's farm team, but I mean, we're only a half hour, 35 minutes away from Toronto. And, uh, I mean, everything was Maple Leafs there and I, for the life of me, I don't know why their farm team wasn't there always, but, um, <laughs> so right, right. we're at the face off, they're losing three to one. It's the second period. We're right in front of our bench. I think I might have been the same line with Mario because I was playing right wing on my offside. And uh, and we're at the faceoff, and he lines up on my side. And he wasn't playing left wing that game. He was playing right wing. <laughs> so <laughs> I, know what's, I know what's coming down the shoot right now. <laughs> so we're at the faceoff. He's like, you don't know who you're messing with. Oh, God. <laughs> I, so I obviously had to play it off like, like you know, like, like I'm, I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you don't know who you're messing with. I said, I'm not afraid of you. <laughs> and then, like, he stood back and gave me his like fire hydrant look, you know. Yeah. And Signature you know, he's like a little, he's like a little fire hydrant, you know. And uh, <laughs> he gave me like this smirk, like, like, you know, because like, the way he raises his eyebrows, like, yep. And <laughs> <laughs> like he's like, are you? What I was saying, he's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like you know who I am. Like, so I'm like, inside my head, I'm like, holy shit! Like, I can't believe I have to fight this guy right now. <laughs> so you know, like, I really lost a lot of respect for him that night, though, because um, and it was kind of disappointing because he, um, before the puck was dropped, he dropped his right glove and he came up and tried suckering me. Before the puck was, yeah, and like no, that's only that's the only cool. thing like I that really bothered me in my whole career is that like here's a guy who fought and beat up Bob Robert and why the hell yep. does he need to try to sucker me, you know? Yep. And like I, I lost so much I respect for him that night. And uh, you know, I mean, if the puck dropped, and he kicked the shit out of me, he kicked the shit out of me, you know. But like he tried suckering me, and like that, I'll never forget that. I'll never that's... like I'll just that never left me. And I guess that's why I ended up fighting him, you know, four or five more times after that. So, 
See, and you had some like like speaking of that, like, and we're gonna transition to another topic about your fighting before we uh, wrap up everything tonight. And of course, one that I watched was the Travis Moen fight right at Center Ice in Boston. Oh. Uh, right there, there is one where you gave him a good right, okay, and the announcers were shocked that he got up. <laughs> yeah. okay, like you gave him a solid right. Like if there was a way to textbook write a right hand punch that is how it is done and how i don't know if you like got like just possessed and summoned up somehow because i think i, I was because i was i i never like i was i was all southpaw <laughs> and like for whatever reason i think i was just like fired up that night like i never really used my right ever See, that's what i was gonna say too like you it seems like you were able to go both what you know a lot of good fighters can do but it's you know you you were you have all those clips and they're fun right they're they're fun to look back to maybe laugh at like if you're a fan or like you know see the the classic fights like obviously you have ones with ty as we mentioned ryan hallway i know we've had conversations with cam jansen on the show with ryan about ryan hallway cam, cam jansen oh. my goodness yeah you for sure and then of course everybody knows paul bizanet he's also a friend of brooks he's one of our goals and uh you know yeah. obviously what he's doing in life right now but there's another guy you fought like a lot of good videos you can check out so definitely i encourage um lis- listeners and viewers to maybe pause actually no listen to this full interview first then go watch that of course but before we transition to the big topic that i really want to get into first the first the last thing i want to ask about these is about fighting and i think i'm going to know your answer with this in terms of like uh, like today's game, but do you think that fighting is always going to stay in the game, that it should stay in the game, or do you think it's time that, you know, what we're seeing now is fun and would you rather see it out of the game? No, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's, no, I, I don't think it should uh, leave the game at all. And yeah. I mean, um, I mean, I obviously I wish I came into the league, you know, five or six years ago where the fighting's not the way it used to be, where I, you know, I got drafted not because I fought, because it, there was no fighting in my U.S. junior or high school. Like, you know, I got I got drafted, uh, you know, as high as I did, because I could skate faster than the smallest guy on the ice, and I could score. And obviously, I was looked upon with my size, you know, as I got into the NHL, if I was playing third or fourth line, like, the fight. And, like, you know, that always bothered me. But, you know, I, I fought to stick up for my teammates, and to be a team guy, but I, you know, I, I didn't like, you know, I never liked uh, knowing that the guy in the other team, you know, I mean, obviously when I was playing, there were one or two guys on the team that they, you know, they were paid to fight. And they, so they had to justify their jobs, you know, every night. And I respected that. Like, you know, he's like, shit, if I don't fight tonight, then like, I, you know, <laughs> I may not get signed to another contract. Yep. So, I mean, they're going to fight anybody they can. And like, that's the only thing that bothered me is like I hated like especially when I was in New York and I'm and I played with Messier that whole year but we we were the fourth line but I mean Messier still playing you know power play man down and but they had him as fourth line center with me and Simon or me and Barnaby or me and whoever and it it just it just sucked because a lot of guys didn't want to fight Simon so then they would fight me and I just hated going into a game like that I I wanted to. I, I always, like, when I was at Pittsburgh and I had those 13 fights that, you know, back-to-back years or whatever, like, I I went into the game knowing I was going to play, like, 17, 18 minutes. And that if somebody did something to, like, you know, Kobe or Mario or to one of my teammates, like, I'm going to be the first one to jump in because, like, I'm all fired up and, like, I'm all revved up because I'm, I'm, I'm in the game and I'm playing and, like, you're not going to screw with my teammate. And... I love fighting like that. I hated fighting because 
I'm playing five, six minutes a game, and like I gotta go out and fight and justify my job. Like I hated fighting yeah. like that. Yeah, that's I, it. It's better in the moment, 100. percent 100. percent Yeah, and like, and like I'll I'll say this though that like most of my concussions probably didn't come from fighting. They were they came from like Matt Cook type players, you know, uh, yeah. dirt, dirty hits. Um, you know, maybe I get I get I get run along the sideboards and like maybe. Again, it could be a clean hit, but like maybe my head jolts and hits the glass, and I get a concussion that way. Yep. Um, but most of my fights, you know, even I'm getting, you know, even like the big chief like smoking me, or you know, or even when I fought Jeff Rogers, and you know, Jeff Rogers, you know, I missed the grab on the initial drop, you know, I missed his jersey, and I was like open game to him down in Atlanta, oh. and you know, I mean, he's he's a wily veteran guy that. You know, I mean, but again, like I didn't, I never really felt like, you know, um, concussed. And uh, even though I fought like uh, uh, Eric Goddard, who's a big boy and, you know, really good fighter. Um, you know, I mean, that was, that was my first game back from that long concussion. The one in 04 that was like, I always say was the beginning of the end of my career uh, when I slipped my head open in, uh, in New York. And, um, you know, my first game back was against it was in Long Island and like Dale Purinton had created a problem in the game before which I wasn't playing because I was still out hurt with the concussion and so like you know God was trying to fight Puritan but Puritan was wasn't fighting him so you know I'm lined up against Goddard and he has to justify his job and he had nothing against me but we ended up fighting and like the fight was fine until he slipped out of his jersey. He slipped out of his jersey because he was wearing a goalie jersey. And again, like that's that's dirty pool, you know. There was a tough cookie too. They like that. That's a tough, tough. So many tough guys, you know. Like so many, yeah. they don't make them like they used to. And you know that it's a perfect kind of segue. We talk about fighting, and now obviously going to get to a topic here that uh, you know listeners may not know or may know about. Scott, I'll let you transition into it. Yeah, Dan, uh, back in 2014, you and nine other players uh, came forward with a lawsuit uh, in regards to the topic of head trauma and other long-term injuries. It took about five years before settlements were complete. Uh, mm-hmm. You, with Chris Simon, Kevin Stevens, and others. Just take our listeners through that process, how that all went down. <clears throat> well, I guess for me, um, you know, it... Again, like, I mean, I, you know, I, I have two kids and I, you know, I have a son that's coming along in hockey and like that was something for me to think about. But like, I guess my problem or my beef was more with what happens to a guy who's like in my position, not, not a guy made like Chris Simon's making like, you know, three, four million dollars a year or like, I mean, again, like everybody's head is, is worth something. I'm saying to the guys who are in my position that, you know, either playing third or fourth line, like you get a concussion well, I have to miss some time now, so the team needs to call somebody up. Yep. So, like, there's no security there because of the guy that gets called up and he, you know, play, depends on the team you're playing against. Like, maybe things work out for him. Right. And so the team's like, oh, we're going to keep this guy now. Yeah. You know, well, meanwhile, like, maybe he played against, you know, maybe some of our next upcoming games against lower teams in the league and, like, yeah, the guy looks good because, like, you know, I mean, maybe he's playing more than the coach played me. And, like, it, it's, like, there's too many variables. And, like, it, it sucks because, like, you know, like, a lot of guys like me, 
I mean, I have like five or six documented concussions when I was playing, but I always said like I had at least twenty to twenty five like concussions that I never I never even reported because like no. I I didn't want the I didn't want the, the the trainer to sit me out. Right. Because I didn't want to lose my I didn't want to lose my, my, my livelihood, my job. And that, that that was the reason why I joined was like the you know, to hopefully help like players coming along that you know, I mean, it, it somehow like protect their job without losing it. And because hockey, you play you play three four games a week. Football, you get a concussion on a Sunday. Well, you might miss one game in two weeks. Right. All on Sunday, and you're ready for the the Sunday after that. So it's one game you miss. Hockey, you miss you, you miss eight games in that time. Yeah. Yep. And, and it's, uh, you, it screws you over, like, especially like you just said, right from the top. If someone plays out your spot or if you miss time, it's, it's all lost lost money or lost opportunity. Yeah, and I, 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 I wasn't going to allow that to happen. I wasn't going to – like I was, so I was risking my health and my head to protect my livelihood because I didn't have a, a backup plan that, well, if I can't play, then, yeah, I, I, I can just retire. You know, I can just, uh, you know, sit out and, like, some insurance policy or, you know, I mean, I had insurance policies, but like those were all null and void if you already have a concussion. So like, yeah, I'm like, why am I even paying Lloyd's of London? Like, you know, a thousand bucks this year or $5,000 this year or $10,000 a year as you get older, it gets more expensive. If I have a concussion and they're not going to cover me because I had a pre-existing injury, you know, I mean, if I had that sort of, some sort of security like that, then I would have probably taken the proper time to heal with the concussion before I came back, knowing that, listen, like, I'm not, I'm not 100%, but, like, you know, if, if I know I'm covered through, again, like, I, I wanted, I, it should always have been, like, the team should always have insurance on their players to give them that security so that, like, none of this would have, you know, have arose, like, the way it did. I mean... If a player knows, listen, like if, if I get hurt working for you, because it happens in every workplace, right? It doesn't matter what company you you can work for Google, Facebook, or you get hurt working on the uh, it, through your job, and you can't return. Well, the company's going to cover you. Yep. So why be- isn't it like that in sports? Absolutely, hundred percent. Right? Like it's like it's not like me against like the teams. It's it's just like I don't understand why they didn't have these things in place because when you play overseas, like you know, these teams insure their players, and it it just always boggled my brain to like you know. So if I if I knew that like okay, I got a concussion, but like if the concussion is so bad and I don't feel right and I can't come back, at least I know I'm covered and that like. I don't have to, you know, risk my health and, you know, my, my brain because I, I need to come back because I need to make sure I get a contract. And that's why I came back with the Rangers. Like that was, I should never have came back after that January. I don't know when it was January 5th, like with the Robin Regeer. And of course it had to do with Oliwa because I fought Oli in Pittsburgh in training camp twice, even though we were teammates, but that was during 9-11. Uh, that was the same year, and uh, you know we, there was no exhibition games. Uh, there was only a couple, so we had, we played more in the squad scrimmages. So I ended up fighting Oli, you know, to make my mark in Pittsburgh. And 
but he was with Calgary when I was with the Rangers and like he was poking in at my skates in that fight and you can see it on YouTube, which it kind of made me lose my balance when I'm trying to fight Regeer and like my helmet came off. So when Regeer flipped me on down onto the ice and his whole body came down on my torso, my skull went right into the ice and split the back of my skull open. And I, I was, I came back after 10 days against my first game was against the Flyers. And like, I only lasted two periods. And then I ended up missing like six weeks after that. And uh, I only came back and I didn't even feel right. I only came back because the lockout was looming and I was, I was worried about my job with another team. See, you know, see everyone, there's so many worries. The injuries are so like scary and it's not the same. You brought up a good point where, you know, if I got sick or needed time off for even mental health reasons, and I know Scott can attest to that, you know, like working in the field. Like if you need time off from that for mental health reasons, it's so big now, the time is paid off. So why isn't that the same in sports despite with the money that it is that you're making? Even though you're paying that contract and giving that – that's somebody's life. They have to be considered that if something happens in the game or outside the game that they're treated like like normal employees or there's some sort of coverage that it's able to assist that. And, of course, uh, you went forward and obviously the settlement completed for yourself and other players. And it's still an ongoing action needed to be able to protect players. And uh, they're still getting to the best ways. We've had a lot of individuals on the show, Darren McCarty, Rob Fred, the guys go on who are big ment- uh, mental health and also uh, uh, cannabis uh, uh, advocates too that are saying that are a big part of the game that they're trying to really get in touch with the game. There's a lot of amazing facts that have happened in today's NHL. And I just have, obviously, you know, you brought up a lot of stories. Uh, at the beginning that were just awesome to hear and so empowering that uh, everything that you went through in your career as a player. And obviously I think we had enough time where we could have done two part show. So maybe we'll have to plan. Yeah, out. probably. I talked too much. I'm sorry. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 that is, that is what we want. And I'm actually the same way. So I, I totally love it. And Scott can attest to that too. <laughs> yeah. I, have, <laughs> I have so many stories. I could, uh, I got, you know, I just have a lot of stories I can tell them. So here, here's here's what I'll do. Like uh, like Flato, this is like for like give you the floor that you say obviously with the stories inside things. We're gonna get to our conclusion side here, uh, and on the conclusion of every show, myself and whoever the co-host is asks one question. Usually they're one-word answers uh, that you are to answer it with. So I'll have one, and Scott will have one. I'll go first. I'm kind of going to cheat today and make it a two-part question, so it kind of gives you the floor if you want to say anything else. But my first part question is, if you had to pick one, uh, pick your favorite teammate of all time, who would it be? Yes, you have to pick one. Uh, And secondly, any stories that you wanted to bring up that we – touch on that you want listeners to hear and then we'll go to scott for his question before we wrap up um well i mean i play a lot with a lot of great guys you know yeah, dougie I mean, wait you know i mean but, kelly buckberger i mean uh billy garen um you know mary lemieux kevin stevens brian leach messier i mean it's a lot of guys that like I play with that are great guys, you know, I mean, obviously for me, like, the, you know, like I said, like early in the show, like I didn't win the Stanley cup, but like my, you know, I made the semifinals that year with Pittsburgh against uh, Jersey when, you know, Bork won it with Colorado. And, um, but obviously me getting the chance to play with my, you know, 
you know, childhood, like idol, Mariel Mew was like better than winning the Stanley Cup for me. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, again, like I played a lot of great guys. Wayne Primo. Um, Prims was a, a close, like he and I were best buddies. And um, Sean Donovan, he was a great guy. Like, you know, we called him Chum. Like he, he, he was just, he was a great team player, great teammate, like a, a great friend, like, you know, he made, you know, coming to the locker room, like, fun, and, um, you know, there's it, it, just so many guys. Like, I tell people, like, the, ho- the hockey world, like, the hockey guy, like, like they don't allow bad guys in the game. And they, if, they, if there are bad guys, they weed them out, yep. you know. And yep. that's, you know, like, the hockey guy will, except for some of, like, the Russians or the Euros, like, you know, I, I do tell people at times, like, you know, when people ask for your autographs, like, you know, all the North American guys, the Americans and the Canadian guys, like they take the time to to sign the autographs. Sometimes, like the Russian guys, will be like they'll they'll act like you know big time, like you know like they're too good or something. And I, I remember saying to one of the guys, I'm not gonna mention his name. We were in Long Island and we we're in the hotel, and like yeah, the autograph seeker shouldn't be there. Like we're trying to go to dinner, but like the guy wanted an autograph, and one of the Russian guys was like, no. <laughs> so I remember saying to him in in, in, in the cab on the way to dinner, I'm like, I'm like, that guy's paying your salary. <laughs> like, yep, right. why couldn't you just, why couldn't you just sign the autograph for him? And he's like, you know, in his Russian accent, like, you know, excuse me. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, why, why couldn't you sign the autograph for the guy? Like, are you <laughs> shitting me? Like, like he's paying your salary. Like, yeah. how, how, like, how do you say no? You know, yeah. I don't like that. That's always good when someone takes that other step to like, you know, it makes somebody stay. And, when they do that. And I never cared. Like, I never cared about, like, you know, I didn't say much to the coaches, but I never cared about voicing my opinions, like, when it came to shit like that. So, because, like, I, and I tell people, the way I am now is the same way it was when I was playing. I never acted like I was ever better than anybody else because I was playing in the NHL. No. Yeah. I, I, the way I am now, the way you know me now is the same way I carried myself when I played in the NHL. Like, I was just a, I was just a regular guy. Like, I never thought I was better than anybody else because I played in the NHL, you know? I mean, I felt more, you know, my testosterone level was higher when I was <laughs> out, at the, out, out at the bars at nighttime. Like, and somebody looked at me the wrong way. Yes, that's where I was different, <laughs> like, you know, because I was like, you got a problem? <laughs> like, you got to go outside. Like, <laughs> because I, so I felt enraged or, like, you know, I, I felt like – powerful because like I fought in the NHL so that's where I was different only because I wasn't a local business owner of a few businesses here in Cape Cod you know yeah I now I have my children and my house to think about like in acting like that and especially in this obviously in this day and age you know like this day and age like you get sued and like I mean as you guys know I'm sure you look me up like I had something that happened five six years ago that did not play out the way it did, but it, it went worldwide because there was nothing going on in the news at the time. Yeah. Former Bruin, you know, you're an athlete former. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I can't even tell you how alone I was that night when that thing hit the AP. Uh, and uh, my brother was living in Colorado. He went into his office building next day. Uh, it was all over the newspapers in Denver, Colorado. My business partner at Midas, his mother lives in Florida. It was on the actual TV in Florida. The TV. 
It's like, I didn't even play down there. Wow. And, you know, but again, like, um, going back to the question, like, Mary Lemieux was just like, he's one of those guys that, like, I was always in awe of. Um, And even though Joe Thornton was a couple years younger than me, when I I was with the Bruins, Joe and I only played together for a week because Mike Sullivan had a problem with him. (sighs) And so, you know. Toronto's um, loving him. Toronto's loving him right now, even at 41. <laughs> Joe Thornton. Joe Thornton carried himself the way Mer- uh, Joe Thornton had that awe about himself the way Lemieux did. And again, Joe was younger than me, and so that, that, that should speak volumes about Joe because, like, again, like I was a couple years older than him. Like, you know, I, but you know, I always thought, you know, when you're playing, you always think if you're older than somebody, like you're, you know, you have more power or leverage or like whatever over them, but like. But Joe, Joe was a Joe was a great leader, and again, we only I only played together with him for a week in uh, Boston before he got traded. But um, Joe, Joe was like, I, I guess I wish I had to play with Joe longer because I, I you know, I would have really loved to have uh, played with a guy like that, you know, because uh, you know I know that he's a great captain, and again, I only played with him for a week. Um, yeah. And you know, obviously Mark Messi is who he is, but like. But Lemieux and Thornton, like, they carried themselves, like, in a different way. And um, I, I just remember that I, got, I got traded to Pittsburgh, not to hold you guys here, but um, I got to – I was in – we were in Florida. We were on a two-game swing when I was at Edmonton. I only had two suits with me. I didn't have any winter jackets or any sweaters or any, like, heavy clothing. We were going from Edmonton to play the Panthers and the Lightning and back to Edmonton. And I got traded on the deadline. I think it was like March 11th or March 13th. And um, the phone rang. We were in video session that morning pregame. And Barry Stafford comes in and tells Mac T, whispers something in his ear. Everybody in the room knew somebody just got traded. So Garen, Waite, everybody, like, everybody was like, you know, who the hell is it, you know? And after the video session was over, Went into a bunch of guys went into like uh, there was a there was a big bathroom, a bunch of urinals, so a bunch of guys went in to take a piss. I'm standing there taking a pee, and Barry Stafford comes up into my ear and goes, "Mac T wants to see you in his office." And I swear to God, even though I was taking a piss, like I I pretty much had like a heart on. <laughs> I was so excited, not because I was leaving Edmonton, because I was getting away from uh, Mac T. And wow. Kevin Lowe, Kevin Lowe did me. Kevin Lowe, I had nothing but that guy. I called him again, like going back to like our. I wish technology. I wish when I was playing, technology was there, so I could have like you know, boasted or like promoted myself the way these guys do now. And um, I called Kevin Lowe, and I and I thanked him for for doing the right thing by me because Mac T just refused to play me because. He got rid of all the Boston guys because they all knew his history. Not, not that any of the guys cared, but he was like, I don't know. He was like, he had a guilty conscience about like all the Boston guys seemed to know his history when he played here about what happened with him, you know? Yeah. And like, nobody like ever judged him, but like he, he didn't want any of the Boston guys on the team in Edmonton. There was like five of us. And um, he sat me off for like 20, he sat me off for 23 straight games. Because I told him I live with Tom Pody. Oh. I was on a flight from Nashville to New York with him on Southwest. We were flying commercial. 
And he was sitting across the aisle from me. He asked me if I found a place. I'm like, yeah, like, you know, Potsy and I, Tom Pody, Potsy and I are uh, renting Grant Sierra's house. As soon as I told him I was living with Tom Pody, because he hated Pody, but he had to play him. As soon as I told him I was living with Pody, I'd never play the game ever again. Wow. And I just yeah. scored, the, I just scored okay. the night before in, in Nashville. And I'm playing fourth line. I just scored, and I never saw the ice again in a game. <clears throat> Politics. So when I'm standing there taking a pee in Tampa, and Barry <laughs> Stafford, Staffy comes up and whispers in my ear, I, I, I'm taking a pee, and I basically had a, you know, I, I, I was excited in that way <laughs> as I'm being because I didn't even care where I was going. I just knew I was gone. Love that. See, that's then that's just a positive thing to look at when you're in a bad stretch. It's good to move on. They could, have told, they could have told me I was going to the moon to play for a new NHL team. I was just happy I wasn't playing for Maxi anymore. <laughs> and, like, the thing is, I had nothing against Maxi. Like, I just don't know what his problem was with me. But, like, other than for us from Boston or something, but, like, you know, like I wanted to like the guy, and um, but the way he treated me was like, like was worse than like you treat like a battered dog or something. And uh, so I walked in his office and I was like, he's like, uh, Lack. He's like, uh, you know, you've been traded. And he told me where, and I didn't even like, hear where. I was just like so excited, like I was. I heard the fact that I was traded. I didn't even hear the hell where the hell I was traded to. I was just excited that I was no longer had yeah that I was going to be away from him and I was going to start playing again. Yep. So again, not not to hold you guys here, but like I'll I'll make it real quick. I, I but got to Pittsburgh. It was snowing there. I had no I had no warm clothes. I had like the the Pittsburgh airport had all like a like a mall. So like for that area, that was like way before its time. And I bought all these clothes from like the Gap or Banana Republic or whatever the <laughs> hell it was, right? So I, I needed warm clothes, and so I called I called uh, I called uh, Kevin Lowe. And um, when I got to my the Hearthorn Suites, which was like, it's not a suite at all. It's it's like it's it's not even like a motel. Like it's like it's like the uh, it's like it's like across from the Coliseum and um, the Coliseum Inn in uh, Edmonton. It's like it's like the Coliseum Inn. <laughs> like it was just like awful. <laughs> and so I called him and I thanked him for doing the right thing by me. You know, and he, and he answered the phone like, and he says, "Lock, you're a great guy." Like, I'm like, I'm like, listen, like, I would love to, and I, I loved Edmonton. I did. Like, I loved the city. I loved the people there. Like, I loved my experience in Edmonton, other than Frank McTavish. And Ron, Ron Lowe, when he was the coach there, I played a few games up for him, and then I played a few games up next year for Kevin Lowe when he was coaching before he became GM. Like, I, I loved that family up there. I did, and that was my first NHL jersey. Like, and it really pissed me off the way things went that that year with uh, Mac T, and uh, a lot of guys. It wasn't just me; it was a lot of guys. But that next morning, I get to the locker room in Pittsburgh, and there's a game that night, and uh, I get down there early to try on new equipment. And Kevin Stevens is there early, so I'm talking to Kevin, and like I'd never met him before. He was a Boston guy, but like never met him before, and he. You know, we're talking like we've known each other our entire lives, you know, because we're Boston guys. And I'm talking to him, and as great of a player he is, all of a sudden he turns the corner into the the change room, Mario Lemieux. Oh, God, yes. And whatever the hell Kevin Stevens was telling me at that point, I was not listening. 
This guy turned the corner. I had no idea he was this big or that tall. I mean, yeah, I had no idea he was that tall. And I, my, my, yeah. my jaw dropped. And I'll never forget that moment in my life. I saw him turn the corner. I was like, holy fuck, that's Mary Lemieux. <laughs> like, I was like, you talk about like a little kid in the candy store. <laughs> like, I'm a 24-year-old kid who is playing in the NHL now and like four years experience of pro hockey. And like, I was like, holy shit. Like, that's Mary Lemieux. He comes right over to me and I tell everybody, that guy is the most humble human being professional athlete you'll ever meet he is the class act of what a pro athlete should be see that's all we've heard about too you know what that that answer is the best answer that we've had on a bonus question don't tell anybody though we don't want to upset anybody (laughs) scott you got your question with yours we'll go to you and then i will get to our wrap-up yeah, well, Dan, first of all, it's been great hearing these stories because you're talking about a lot of players and memories that I remember as, as a big hockey fan, especially, you know, in, in the era that you played. And my two favorite hockey players of all time, bar none, and I think they're very similar as far as character, uh, Mario Lemieux and Steve Eiserman being a, a Red Wings fan, both great guys. And uh, getting back to Mario Lemieux, you, you kind of answered part of my question, but just walk us through not just meeting Mario for the first time, but the first time that you suited up and played on the ice with him. Just walk us through a little bit on how that was for you. Oh, it's it just like, it's, it's, it's insane. Like, I mean, watching him, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, we had a ABC game. Um, you know, remember ABC was doing the games back in the early two thousands. Yep. And Pittsburgh was obviously all the games because of Mario, Mario, right. Mario came out of retirement. And uh, before I, before I go too far into that story, I just wanted to give a quick uh, uh, backdrop here. Like that summer before I got traded to, uh, so I got traded in March of twenty. I mean, two thousand one. Um, that summer prior, I was down training in uh, Arizona, and my agent called me and said that um, Pittsburgh wants to trade for me, but Edmonton won't. And I'm like, why won't Edmonton? Won't, why won't they trade me? I'm like, Mac T doesn't want to play me. Like, why won't they trade me? He's like, well, they won't trade you, but Pittsburgh wants you. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> so I'm like, at least I could have got to meet Mario, right? All right. Because he didn't come out of retirement yet. So anyways, I'm now sitting out like, you know, 14, 15, 16 straight games, and we're in Columbus, and it, it hit the hit ESPN. Mary Lemieux's training looks like he's coming out of retirement, and I was up at the press box like, I'm like to myself, like, are you effing kidding me? I could have played <laughs> with my boy. And like, they, why wouldn't Edmonton trade for me? I mean, trade me to them. So anyways, I want to show short. I obviously I got traded there, which worked out. But when I got to play with him, I like, just like watching him in the locker room and watching how he carried himself. And I like, just like on the ice, like everything was like so like effortless. Yeah. Like he just like skate like everything he did like it didn't look like I had to try like a lot like a lot of guys I tried my ass off, but like Lemieux like he made it look effortless like and I'm not saying that he wasn't trying because obviously he was trying but he made it look effortless. And I remember one of the Saturday afternoon games. It was actually kind of warm in Pittsburgh, and we were playing St. Louis. And St. Louis, you know, they had 
uh, Dallas Drake. I mean, Al McGinnis. I mean, you know, Chris Prong. I mean, Dallas was loaded. How? I mean, like they were just stacked. Stacked. And I, 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 I think we. Well, I fought Dallas Drake again. He was my first NHL fight because he ran over Boy Devereaux, which is another story that we could talk about. <laughs> and obviously, he wasn't going to fight George's LaRock, so no. <laughs> I, I took upon a quote that I, from a movie I loved called uh, From Tin Cup. And I, this quote helped, stuck with me for my first three years pro. Because, like, I had to, like, you know, with fighting and, like, Hamilton and, like, DJ Smith, um, who obviously is now the coach, I think, in Ottawa or whatever, but, like, but, like, DJ, like, disappeared for a long time. And, um, but DJ, I always had so much respect for because, like, he, he, he broke my nose maybe – I broke my nose maybe 12 times playing. DJ probably broke it five times. <laughs> um, my first, like, two or three years in the minors. And I always had so much respect for him because he could always switch it up and uh, throw. And I was happy, actually. I, I had no idea what the hell happened to him. And then I saw last year he got – you know, he became the coach. And um, uh, I always respected him. Always uh, a great competitor and uh, guy. And um, so – um, what was I just talking about before that? Um, um, what was I just saying? Sorry. The, the, the tin, was it about the tin cup? Oh, tin cup. Yeah. So tin I, cup. What, yep. yeah, what always held, what always stuck with me was, uh, in that movie, um, he, uh, uh, uh Kevin Costner said to, uh, Cheech Marin, you know, Romeo, <laughs> you know, who was his caddy. He, cause Cheech Marin was like, you know, what were you thinking? You know, why'd you do that? Why'd you blow yourself up again? Because everybody says I always blow myself up. I always blow I always blow up a situation. Like I always blow myself up. He's like, Why why'd you do that? He because he goes he goes, when a defining moment comes along, you either define the moment or the moment defines you. Yep. And that was the first time I fought Dallas Drake because I knew Kevin Lowe put my line out there, me, Chad Kilger, and George was the rock. And I knew that Dallas Drake wasn't gonna fight I knew Dallas Drake wasn't gonna fight, obviously George's, you know. But nope. nope. Dallas just, but Dallas nope. just ruined Edmonton. You know, uh, Boyd was the same draft year as me. He just ruined this kid's career. Like it was a blatant, like it was a Matt Cook type hit. Yep. And um, so I said to myself, I said, I'm lined up against him. It's the first shift. I know exactly. And Kevin Lowe didn't tell me. People always ask, you know, does the coach tell you? Nope, Kevin Lowe didn't say shit to me. He didn't have to. I already knew. I knew. I knew why they put us out there. <laughs> so I said, to him, I, I said, we're going to go. He goes, no. no, we're not. I go, yes, we are. I said, you're either fighting me or you're fighting him. <laughs> so I said, yeah, we're going to go. So he kept on saying no, but then he tried to sucker me a little bit, and then uh, I just kicked the shit out of him. And... Um, you know, like the applause from like the crowd and like, it was like, I knew in that moment, like I had to define that moment. And, um, it was funny because that ABC game in Pittsburgh, the commentators, like what, they, they didn't like, they didn't know their history. Like I was surprised, like, uh, what's his face there from, um, the guy with the glasses, uh, the blonde guy, uh, I can't remember. I can't believe I forgot his name. Cause he did out of the woods where my brother was, uh, in Maine. He was the, um, uh, you guys know who I'm talking about. Uh, he was the ESPN guy for a long time. Back Gary in the late Thorne? 90s. Yeah, Gary Thorne. Gary yeah. Thorne. Yeah, Gary Thorne. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
they didn't know why what they didn't he, he's like I, we don't know what like what caused this like for these two to go at it there was nothing going on in the game but they didn't know their history like <laughs> like what the hell happened up in Edmonton and uh so it was like a bunch of fights that game but it was such a classic game but going back to your point uh the ice was warm and the puck was like it was shitty ice I saw Marilyn Mew come from inside our zone as a left winger with the puck. He basically dribbled the puck down the ice. I'm, I'm talking like a, like a basketball he, with his stick because the ice was so bad because it was so warm. He was dribbling the puck down the ice in front of our bench, in front of uh, St. Louis's bench in, at the old Igloo. And he came down the ice basically dribbling the goddamn puck and took it up in the air, backhanded over to Jagger. Boom, goal, game-winning goal. <laughs> Sayonara. <laughs> like, it was like, I, I was like, I, I just saw everything I needed to see. And I just, I, I just could not believe what I just witnessed. And I tell people that story all the time. That's great. The ice was so bad. This guy is so good. He dribbled the goddamn puck down the ice in full stride. And basically a backhand sauce, like, over the Yager, boom, goal. Oh, <laughs> like... Yager, there's another guy who's still a beautician. The guy's still lighting the lamp overseas. Yeah, another guy, 49 years old. The guy is an absolute stud. Yes. <laughs> he can probably he still. Loves, he lo- guys. loves the game. You have to respect that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Legend. Now, Dan, this this whole edition has been absolute honor. Obviously, we did go a little extended, but that's because of all the great content that you did provide us with everything. You know, I think that raises a glass for potential uh, part two down the road. <laughs> I think there's a lot more stories that we can uh, dive into with yourself. So before I go to Scott to say his goodbye to you, I want to say thank you for taking the time uh, to come on the show here. It's uh, been so fun. It's Honestly, well, at least my at least my kids got to hear some of these stories, even though they're out in the TV room here. But they got to hear some of the stories, and they're like looking at me like, "Yeah, what the hell? You told me it was gonna be forty five minutes." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And you know what? We had a lot of fun. And Scott, I go over you. Thank you very much, Dan. Yeah, yeah Dan, I appreciate thank- it. Thanks, David. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, appreciate it, Dan. Uh, it was fun hearing the stories, and uh, certainly would love to have you on again to hear more. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for joining. Yes, us. absolutely. Anytime, just let me know. I got there's more stories to tell. So, so and that's where you know uh, what it, definitely enjoyable, Dan. Thank you again, and I want to thank you to our listeners uh, for tuning in to another uh, little uh, special edition presented by Little Caesars Pizza. Make sure to hit like, follow, and subscribe on all the platforms of the Game Sports Show, and yes, of course, the Game. Tell Little. Tell Little Caesars they need to uh, open up a shop here in Cape Cod again. Oh, there we go. There we no, go. No, I'm serious. I, I meant to say at the beginning of the show. I, I, I miss the Little Caesars being here. Oh, the so, hot ready's Or pizza, ready. pizza. Oh, <laughs> see, it's definitely delicious. The five, the hot yeah. ready's. Oh, my God. Little Caesars pizza. Yeah. See? There we go. Dan likes his Little Caesars pizza, so definitely. I do. I there love you. Little Caesars. And make sure you hit like, follow, and subscribe on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Podbean, Podtail, Facebook, Instagram, and of course, follow our website, thegeensportshow.com. And getting to our conclusion again, so thank you to Scott and to Dan. I would like to remind you to keep your stick on the ice, swing your bats, catch your touchdowns, drain your threes, and shoot your shots. Booyah.